and the thrust of this message says to count it all joy when we're going through trials. So here, this is how it works. You know, whenever you're asking God for illustrations in your preaching, um, it's not fun when you're preaching on adversity because then he brings the illustrations your way. I'm in my office here working, and I get a phone call from Erica, my wife, and she's just like, hey, babe, bad news. There is water coming up from the drain in the basement. I think you got to come home. It doesn't smell pleasant. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty rough one. And I'm thinking like, God, you know, in this count it all joy moment, I could have done without that because there's enough other stuff that we're dealing with, you know. Um, it was sewage. It smelled bad. It was crappy. Um, as one said, it got me down in the dumps, right? Yeah, it, w- it was a bad situation. But, you know, as I went home, and we're taking care of this. We had to call a plumber, get this thing cleaned out. We had, a, we had blockage in our main drain. I'll spare you the details, church, all right? But, you know, as I was, as I was praying in my frustration, I'm here in my text, count it all joy. But then, you know what? I started realizing, man, like, what happens is when we are going through adversity, a lot of times we let our struggle prevent us from seeing uh, how others are in a similar place. And the fact is, the struggle that we were facing at our home with this sewer problem was actually quite minuscule to the other struggles we heard about this week. We've got people in our church families whose family members died this week. Couldn't do a funeral. We have people in our church family whose family members are dying this week. We've got family members in the hospital who can't be visited. We've got people who are working on the front lines in the hospital systems, a part of our church families, going through every precaution, afraid to bring home a virus. We've got people in our church families who are really struggling as parents, feeling like they are failing because the homeschooling thing is just going awful. We've we got people in our church family who are going through the struggles of feeling the pressures of racist comments that are geared toward the Asian community in our church, in our, in our country. We got people in our church family who've lost jobs and are hearing that they may not have one again till midsummer, if that. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. I think a lot of us are feeling the, the, the angst of, of distance from people. And I want you to hear something. I'm not saying that your struggle isn't real. I'm not lessening the, the depth of your pain. But what I want you to do is this, is to understand that many of us are going through our own situations. But in that, for us to not let it cause us to become ingrown and lead into desperation and depression and despair. See, we need to learn to drop the anchor and then fight for joy. See, the anchor is God himself. And when we hold on to him, when he stabilizes our lives in the midst of the storms, we actually then have an opportunity and resource for joy in the midst of it. We're talking about a kind of joy that turns a trial into triumph, church. It's a kind of joy that takes pressure and turns it into praise. It's a kind of joy that allows your struggle to create an opportunity to savor God's goodness. And if we then become ingrown and self-focused and don't turn our eyes towards God and don't drop our anchor into his character, we are going to drift off to sea in the midst of a storm. You and I are going through storms today. And you and I are having our faith being tested, church. We all want strong faith. 
But strong faith needs to be battle-tested. Look, you can't have battle-tested faith without the battle. And so you and I, church, are going through this battle. Some of you are listening in and saying, man, I, I don't have faith at all right now. I'm trying to figure out who God is. I'm not sure if I believe in him. I once did. And in fact, the things I'm going through right now are so bad, I'm, I'm actually questioning him. I, I want you to know that there's a God who can handle your doubt. And I'm so thankful for that. He, he can handle the struggles you're facing. And I would just plead with you for a moment to cry out to him and begin to see him in the midst of your pain and see actually that he can give you a joy in the midst of it. So let's take a look at James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, but we're going to park in verses 2 through 4. James is one of the last books of the Bible. And the cool thing is James is the half-brother of Jesus. I say half-brother because they had different daddies. See, Jesus and James had the same mom, Mary, but Jesus' father was God the Father, and James' father was Joseph. And so here James is writing about his brother, Jesus, and the faith in his brother. James says in James chapter 1, verse 1, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that he calls his brother Lord. That tells you he knew something about his brother that you and I need to know. He says, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. He's writing to people, the people of Israel, the Jewish believers who have been scattered about throughout the Roman Empire. He's writing to them to strengthen them in these ways. He says, greetings in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Can you say various kinds from your home? Can you say aloud various kinds? For you know, I love that, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, wow, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What James is telling the church, and by application telling us, is that we can have joy in the midst of trials. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy. Not counting every bad situation a joyful one. James is not saying to be happy when things are bad. But he's saying counting it, it's, it's, it's all joy. It's pure joy. It's sheer joy. Now, what does he mean by this? What is joy that we are to be considering when things are bad? What is the joy that God wants you to have when you're going through your mess right now? See, Webster's Dictionary defines joy as a feeling of pleasure or happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through trials, the last thing I'm feeling is success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. And so the definition of joy we find in our dictionaries just really can't add up with the joy we find in our Bibles. What is the joy that James is talking about? You see, he's talking about something far greater than a fleeting emotion that comes or goes with whether things are good or bad. One pastor named John Piper defines joy 
Christian joy is this. He says, it is a good feeling in the soul, but notice, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and the world. See, what joy is in the Bible is a kind of feeling that's produced by the Holy Spirit as he shows us Jesus in the midst of what we're going through. So when things are great, the Holy Spirit shows us that God is the giver of good gifts and we can have joy. But what about in trials? In those moments, the Holy Spirit shows us how our Savior Jesus can sustain us in it and therefore produces joy in the midst of it. See, what God is offering us is a kind of joy that comes from seeing God and his work in the midst of what we're going through. It is that settled kind of assurance. It's not putting up a fake smile when you're not happy. That's not biblical joy. But it's a sure hope that God is in control and he is at work through your faith in Jesus. This past week, church, I was talking with a brother in our church family who has a family member who's dying right now. My heart was grieved just knowing that the struggle of this day and what this person was going through. I'll tell you what encouraged me. As I talked to this brother, he told me this. He says, during this time, I'm growing in my faith in ways I didn't think I could. He says, I have learned that even though I am sad, I can have joy. Man, that blew me away. This is is a brother who gets it, who realizes that even in this pain, God is doing something. Consider it all joy when you face trials. But what what James is saying here is that that, that, that joy is not actually automatic. Now, this is important for us because just because you're going through a bad time doesn't mean you're going to have joy. He says we can have joy because of who he's addressing right now. I love this. He says, consider it all joy. Who? Who is he talking to? What does he say there? The word is brothers. In Greek, it is the word adelphoi, which is plural. It's a reference to brothers and sisters. It is the community of faith he's addressing. What James is saying here, I love this, is that we who are in the family of God can have this kind of joy. This kind of joy is not just offered freely to the whole world apart from God because this joy can only be found in God. And we're found in God when our faith is in Jesus and God becomes our father and we can become brothers and sisters. And and James is like, then you can have joy. But notice this, it still is not automatic because you and I must fight for joy even as the family of God. I know there's been times in my life when I have been going through adversity when certain sewage starts backing up, and I didn't have joy in that moment. In fact, I complained. I started saying, why, God? See, in adversity, we have to make a choice to choose joy. Notice also that James says, when you face trials. I wish he said if, huh? I think we all do. But trials are a matter of when, not if, for all people. And he says, when you meet trials. 
You can't schedule adversity. Uh, this past week, we were, we were scheduling Zoom meetings, right? Your real community leader said, meet us at 7 p.m. Here's the link. You scheduled this meeting. James is telling us, adversity is not always so convenient. You meet it sometimes, like walking into a pole when your head is turned. That's oftentimes. Sometimes, yes, we see adversity coming at a distance like a storm cloud, and other times we slam right against the wall and didn't see it coming. He's saying you're going to meet it. You're going to meet trials. And not just any trial. Like, you don't get to choose your trial. James says consider all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. The kind of trials I mentioned as we opened up this sermon. We don't get to choose when family members get sick. We don't get to choose when we get laid off from work. We don't get to choose when we get that phone call from the doctor with a diagnosis. We don't don't get to choose how how our trials are going to come to us. I know the Asian community in America didn't get to choose the racism they're feeling because of the coronavirus. Uh, Church, I think it's important for us to just acknowledge this. We want to stand in solidarity with our Asian brothers and sisters and Asians throughout the world. Of course, we've we've heard even our president calling uh, this coronavirus a Chinese virus. And he's doubled down on it so to to get under the skin of Chinese authorities and and in so doing, though, the repercussions have, it's been affecting others, people that we know and love and people we don't know. But we just want to stand in solidarity saying that that's not okay. And for those who are listening who are part of the Asian community, I just say that you would stand and ask that you would stand in God's strength because we know this is a trial of various kinds that you didn't pick. Church, we're going to face these trials over and over And they're going to come to us. James isn't saying being happy when you get a trial. Like, oh, this is great. I'm so glad adversity came. He's not saying go on looking for it. But he's saying when it comes, consider it joy. Now, here's why, though. How? Because if you're like me, I'm listening. Like, okay, it makes sense. I want to have joy, but I can't manufacture this thing. What James then tells us is how we are able to have joy in the midst of trials. And the first reason is because we see that God is doing something in it. He says in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know that God brings trials into our lives to produce something in us that could not happen without the trial. Who wants strong faith? Raise your hand in your home. You want strong faith? Strong faith comes through adversity. Because James saying, you want steadfastness? Well, you got to go through the trial. He says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He says, you know this. I love how he says that. Because I'm wondering, you know this because you were taught this before, or you know this because you've gone through it? But in either case, you know this already. But what I love is, he's still reminding them of what they already know. See, Before the trial, we need to know that God's going to use it. And during the trial, we need to know that God's going to use it. If you've been around the brook for any time, you know that we've tried to give you a robust theology of suffering. 
We want you to know that there is a sovereign God who's in control of all things and that we live in a broken world where sin has plagued us. We want you to know that trials come our way, that God brings trials our way in order to draw us closer to him. We want you to know that sometimes God pulls us out of the trial and sometimes he pulls us through the trial, but in either case, he's got us. That, that's what we teach and that's what we want you to know before the trial happens and that's what I want to remind you of while you're in the trial right now. James says you know that the that your trials, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that you've got to be tested. When I was working on my PhD, we had what was called comprehensive exams. And what these comp exams were was, uh, my advisor gave us various subject matters within the realm of church history, which was was my major. And basically, he says, on this particular day, you've got to come in, and for some four or six hours, you've got to write everything you know about these topics. And then we're going to grade it, and we're going to determine whether you sufficiently know the subject matter in order for you then to go on to the next thing. The next thing for me was to write my dissertation. See, this test was to... Uh, reveal the depth of what I knew, the genuineness of my understanding, in order then for me to experience new things ahead. You see, trials in our lives approach our faith in a similar manner. God tests the genuineness of your faith to see how you steward that struggle in order then to trust you with more. The testing of your faith does need to happen. It needs to produce in you a well-rounded kind of faith to shine your light, to be anchored so people see the substance of who you are and what God has done through you. It produces steadfastness. The word steadfastness comes from a Greek word called hupomane. Can you say hupomane? Hupomane. You're speaking Greek, all right? It's all Greek to me, isn't it? It comes from two words. Hupa means under. Mane means remain. Steadfastness means to remain under something. And so what James saying... You need to remain under the struggle and let God form in you perseverance and endurance. You got to remain in place. What James is saying is you got to shelter in place during a trial. Sound familiar? Because as we lock down and anchor in in God, he is developing something in us. And so what then in the midst of that, we have the question, will we let fear enter and faith exit? Will we let anxiety give way or assurance be strengthened? You see, this past week I spoke to another single sister in our church, just checking in, giving phone calls, see how people are doing. And and she relayed to me how she was trying to remain under the adversities of these current days. I was extremely encouraged because this this is a sister who took to heart the call to say, I'm not going to let these weeks go by and just wander, but I'm, I'm going I'm to anchor down in God's character. So what she decided to do was to be more vigilant in her time with Jesus in the Word, more vigilant in prayer. And she says, you know what I've experienced? I've experienced God breaking bondages, renewing my mind, cultivating contentment in me, and he's created new standards and rhythms in my own day-to-day 
that I could not have experienced if I didn't shelter in place. Church, when we consider it all joy in our trials, we do so because we know that God wants to do that. He wants to fortify our faith and not let us walk with fragile and flimsy faith. God is good. He doesn't want you to have weak faith. He doesn't want you to be flimsy and fragile. So what he's going to do in his goodness is provide means for your faith to be strengthened. See, fragile faith comes from deficient theology that expects everything to be good all the time. Fragile faith comes from man-centered understanding that puts yourself at the center of the world instead of God. And when we're at the center, when bad things come, we look to God saying, God, why'd you let this happen? But when God's at the center and bad things come, we say, God, I'm looking to you to anchor me down. See, fragile faith comes when we have a conditional faith, when we are following God so long as he keeps his end of the bargain that he never gave. Fragile faith comes when we allow ourselves to be spoon-fed instead of self-fed. When we become short-sighted and don't see the big picture of what he wants to do. Fragile faith comes in this kind of presentism where we don't see anything else in the future or in the past, knowing that brothers and sisters throughout the world have gone through this. We were talking just earlier today, not knowing what Easter is going to be like. And in some ways, I'm grieved, right, because we've said Easter is like the Super Bowl, right? It's the biggest a celebration in the church calendar. And what if we've got a live stream, Easter? Like, we can't celebrate. We're not going to hear the, the walls echo. And I saw someone put out a tweet, though. A pastor said, if you're down because you're not going to get all this celebratory feel on Easter, you're going to get a small taste of what the persecuted church feels every week. I thought, man, the testing of our faith produces perseverance and what we're going through is a smidget of what our brothers and sisters around the world have gone through god wants to fortify our faith and give us a bigger vision and even seeing our brothers and sisters around the world the testing of our faith will produce steadfastness and it will also lead us ultimately to spiritual maturity look what james says in verse four then we need to let steadfastness have its full effect don't resist what god is doing let him do his work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This word perfect is not to mean you become morally perfect. 1 John 1, 8 tells us, if you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sin nature has marred our being and we long for our redemption and glory. But what James is speaking of is, is a kind of maturity that leads us toward perfection that one day will be realized in glory. What he's saying is God is doing a work of sanctification right now in your life, in the American church's life, in the global church's life, through the coronavirus even, to cause us to grow in our steadfastness, leading to that spiritual maturity we long for in glory that's beginning to be realized today. Our faith must undergo a test. But what's so cool is that God doesn't let us to just figure this out. Not only has he instructed us from his word on how to consider it all joy by looking at the end product of what God is doing in us, but God also came down in this earth and modeled what it means to consider it all joy. The writer to Hebrews says, says this about Jesus. He says, 
this about even the cloud of witnesses that surround us. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay also aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Here's our example. Watch this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, can you say joy? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffering, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, what what God is showing us, what God himself did was he came to this earth to die for our sins and to model what this looks like. He modeled for us how to consider it joy when going through suffering, knowing the end product. Jesus understood that his suffering was mandatory in order for him to bring forgiveness for our sins, to bring uh, a redemption. And so Jesus said, I know what needs to happen, so I'm going to go through the cross because I can see the big picture of salvation for the people that I want to purchase. And so Jesus saw the big picture, and he counted it all joy, even to the cross. So church, this is what I believe God wants us to understand. As we are locked down in our homes, as we are concerned about the coronavirus in our nation, as we are also on top of all that, going through all kinds of painful experiences, God wants you to know that you can actually still intimately know his joy because you know that through your struggle, he is developing your faith in such a way that he's growing you to maturity. And when your faith is strong, you can be anchored in God. Joy is what he offers. Not not a kind of joy that is a fleeting emotion that shifts with one wave to the next, but an assured hope that God is in control. Church, you've got to go through the battle to have a battle-tested faith. But in that battle, your trial can become a triumph. Your pressure can lead into praise. And your struggle could be an opportunity to savor God and his goodness. This is what the world needs to see, church. Followers of Jesus who are anchored, who've dropped the anchor in the storm, who are fighting for joy. Church, let us hold on to Jesus. Let's reach out to others when we don't know how to do this. And do know you serve a God who will never leave you or forsake you. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus today, we want you to know that God is offering this kind of joy to you. And it all begins when you confess your sins, all your shortcomings, saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus died to take my punishment that I deserved because he knew that through that he would then bring forgiveness for me. I pray you would put your faith in Jesus and begin to live for him and experience what he has to offer. No matter what you're going through, church, joy is offered to us. So let's walk in it. Let's pray together.
Father, I just want to pray for that one right now who's at their home just feeling so weighty. Saying, God, I want your joy, but I'm having such a hard time. I want to pray for that brother who just feels so far from you, battling maybe loneliness right now, that, that sister who just feels so isolated, those who just wish they could be near family in the struggles right now of life. Father, I pray that you would comfort them by the power of your Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete. And Lord, I pray that um, you would just increase our faith. God, I know that's a scary prayer because sometimes it just means things are going to get hard. But you, you, you're not a vindictive God. You're, you're not in heaven laughing at our pain. Because you not only bring the pain, but you also walk us through it. You hold us tight. God, we want to come out of this season of uncertainty, refined by the fires of your love. We want to come out better than we entered into it. Help us to that end, I pray. In Jesus' name. Man, what a, what a beautiful proclamation that song is. Um, it's a prayer to say, God, I need, I need faith. Uh, if that's your prayer, man, today, today, please, just cry out to God saying, God, give me the faith uh, that I need, that I need right now. Before uh, we uh, um, disconnect on this live stream here, I just want to urge everyone, man, to, to connect with one of our real communities. Um, please email us at connect at thebrookshy.com. Uh, let us know that you, you want to connect with us somehow. Please, we, we want to make sure everyone in the church or everyone who's trying to get connected is in a Zoom call, in a Zoom video with us because um, we can't let ourselves become isolated, right? We can't let ourselves drift here because uh, our faith can become fragile in the midst of these times. So um, look out for others. Look out for those you haven't connected with. And please reach out, church, all right? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you, church. We'll check you out next time on Zoom and next Sunday, 1030 a.m. Spread the word. You're dismissed. Peace.